High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, football fans, bug collectors, and fans of Corey Haim. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results... It was our birthday on Tuesday. Happy birthday, high school slumber party. Three years, three strong and impressive years, I think. Of course, every year on our birthday, we do a birthday episode. So Tuesday, 16 Candles, once again, for the third time. This time, I did a little audio commentary over the DVD. So if you have time this weekend, get on the old cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcasts. Cue up the episode with your own copy of 16 Candles and watch it with me. You know what? This is High School Slumber Party. You're in class right now. That's homework. Watch 16 Candles with me this weekend. Okay, other homework, of course, was to listen to Monday's episode and watch that movie. Black Teen Experience was back. Kirkland Shepard was back. And we talked The Wood, a movie I had never seen before, but wow. I was impressed. That is a really, really, really underrated movie. Check out The Wood wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of those places, come on. You know them by now. Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and the aforementioned cageclub.me. And while you're at your app, why don't you give us a five-star rating? Why don't you write us a positive review, if applicable? And if you're not at your app, tell a friend. Tell a friend about High School Slumber Party. It's been awesome. It's been a three-year run. It's been a labor of love. And once again, I want to thank you listeners out there, you slumbers out there, for making it possible. It's been awesome. Also, want to thank all the mamas out there. I think I forgot to... How rude. The bell interrupts me in the middle of my Mother's Day salute. (laughs) The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Sit down. We're going to talk about mamas. Just want to thank all the mothers out there. Without the mothers, we don't get teenagers and we don't get high school slumber parties. So a belated Mother's Day blessing to you all. A blessing indeed. Of course, your other piece of homework was to participate in social media. That's right. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And by the way, you've been pretty good at that lately. I've been loving the responses. Kate Hudson has been on fire, by the way, with her twilight tweeting lately joe too as well with some cool stuff but those were previous guests i'm talking about you the slumbers some of your instagram feedback has been great some of your 
Facebook feedback has been great, especially Twitter, too. That's been really fun. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Class participation is a huge part of your grade, and keep up the good work. But no, 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 no. We have to talk about your homework today, and that was to watch Lucas as we are continuing. We are continuing our two Corey's lap. No, no, no. Series? Our two Corey's series. Mike Manzi is here as always. Lucas is a classic. No Feldman today, but we do have Corey Haim. Hope you watched it because this is going to be a really, really fun episode. So let's do it. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother to sing up Ryan's because we're about to get our party on. Oh, one more thing. High School Movie News. Not going to come back this week, but it's going to come back soon because we got a lot of news to talk about. I've been writing it down. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, frankly. There's so much news. A lot of new high school movies have come out. A lot of new high school movies are coming out. Kissing Booth 3 trailer dropped. Oh my God, Shawnee and I have to talk about this again because it is a high school movie. Hopefully it's the end, though. Hopefully it's the end of the Kissing Booth. Oh, Blake Griffin on the Nets, if you're a basketball fan, had McLovin shoes. Lots to talk about, but I'll squeeze a High School Movie News segment in once in a while. I already told you to tell your mother you see me at Brian, so let's get our party on. Thompson Twins, King for a Day, off the Lucas soundtrack. Class dismissed. Hate to do this to you, but uh, gotta wake you up from that dream you've been having from our dream a little dream episode. It might have been a nightmare for you because we uh, <laughs> we didn't agree on everything there, but it was a blast. It was fun. You know, at the end of the day, though, we ended up having very similar scores, which I think su- surprised probably a bunch of people. <laughs> the, the tack that the two of us were taken. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we we started this off with a bang. You know, I, I think I was a little out of control on that episode. I'm going to try and reel it back in. I think it's a good idea to kind of go back to the beginning to one of their careers, right? In a sense. And so here we are with Lucas, Corey Haim as a youngster uh, in the yep. lead. And and before we get any further, I just have to get one thing off my chest. Uh, Webster's dictionary defines superficial. Adjective um, <laughs> of or relating to the surface or appearance only, not thorough or complete, of relating to or located near the surface, lying on, not pertaining below, or affecting only the surface. Uh, so I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Glad you did. It's important for this movie for sure. <laughs> Superficial, that's the word of the day every time we say it take a shot i don't know no but you're right we're... you'll die if you watch this movie and take a shot every time they say that <laughs> word as you mentioned though of course we're talking lucas we're continuing our two Corys, not lap but our two Corys <laughs> series <laughs> once again we're going to be talking some Corey films this year some Corey films next year there are a lot of Corey films but i'm so glad we get to do lucas because this is a cornerstone Corey film in a sense that it is, it is a Corey Haim film as you said but this is his real breakout role he's in stuff before this but this is where he becomes kind of a household name to people so Mike 
I need you to introduce yourself today because one of the actors, believe it or not, another local. So please oh, tell everyone where you're from. Very cool. Um, all right, everybody. Um, Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. More on that a little bit later. What do you mean? What? <laughs> well, no, like I said, someone in the cast is, is from a local town. So mm, all right. I thought we were going to talk mascots. There's a great mascot uh, in this, the Pirates. It's a cool the Pirates, one. yeah. Cool. I like when, you know, we can tell what the mascot is. It's very apparent in the school. I always think that's awesome. But what's your history with Lucas? I'm sure you'd heard of it before. Had you seen it before? Because this is my first time watching it. Wow. So ding, ding, ding. We match. It's it's my first time seeing it in its entirety. Wow. Yeah. I guess a little bit of uh, a little splaining to do. This used to be on HBO a lot when I was a kid, and I used to get it confused with All the Right Moves, the Tom Cruise what? movie. Don't ask me why. I think it's because uh, Charlie Sheen and Tom Cruise were like one person in my you know adolescent brain at that point. So, like, I'm watching this movie now, and I was like, oh, yeah, Winona Ryder pops up in this and stuff. I didn't realize, though, it was so Carrie Green involved. Like, she's a major, she's the second Mm -hmm. lead. And I had seen two scenes. So I'd seen the scene of the sort of the pep rally, you know, when the, the football team and Lucas goes on stage and kind of, like, gets humiliated and everything. I'd seen that scene, and I'd seen, believe it or not, the final scene of this movie, which I didn't realize was this movie. Wow. Like, I, that's what's that's so crazy, you know? I didn't realize that that was even this movie, that that was Lucas. Like, I just know I had seen that before somewhere. We'll get to that moment. Big, big moment. And I did not know that that was coming in this. So I was uh, pretty surprised at the end. So, yeah, this is you know, my, <laughs> my awesome. first full run through. And Lucas, this is a movie that a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people talk about. I'm surprised that both of us hadn't seen it. But I think it's one of those movies that were kind of lost in the 80s. It's a very 80s movie. It's got sort of like the 80s B cast, though. Like, I, I was thinking almost of, like, Goonies and stuff, right? Because Carrie Green's and Goonies and everything. And, like, this could have been the cast of Goonies. And, you know, it just weird. It almost feels like there was, like, the A team and the B team when it came to, like, teen actors of the time. And, like, you know what I'm getting at? This sort of feels like of the course. bench. The bench got to make a movie or something at the time. <laughs> and, Mike, I think some classics are the same way. I think uh, Can't Buy Me Love is similar, right? right? Like, right. I'm sure when they were drawing it up, they thought like uh, Molly Ringwald and well, yeah, and, uh, like Elizabeth yeah. Shue. Well, we can't. So Courtney Thorne Smith, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This film, though, again, B classic. I'll call it like not an A classic. Again, you and I hadn't even seen it, but I remember it being on the VHS shelves. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. like, and you said it was on HBO a lot. This isn't a lost film by any means, but I think it's definitely not. Again, in the John Hughes pantheon of films either. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, well, he doesn't have anything to do with it, really, right? Like, so it doesn't... No, really... no, no. No, but no, I mean, but like, I mean... that's that's one thing, though. Like, there's almost like this, like a couple films, like, just name brand and recognition because he's involved, sort of, like, even if they're not as good, they're, they're known, they're more well-known, you know, even if mm-hmm. this might be a better film or something. But I know, like, you know, Charlie Sheen was coming on the scene, and I got to talk about his performance in this, and, you know... Winona will go on to be huge, and so there's a lot of star power here. So that was what was sort of, like, shocking to me at the time. I was like, wow, these kids are really good. (laughs) I always like to think, like, casting directors, certain casting directors just have an eye for talent, and a lot of debuts here of, like, future A-listers. But don't want to skip this. Back of the VHS, 
And like I said, this is a classic to me VHS movie in terms of like, I think a lot of people probably saw this movie on VHS for the first time. So here goes. There's nothing wrong with being different. (laughs) 16-year-old Lucas is different. He's more interested in the wonders of science and the beauty of insects than he is in football and parties. Smaller and more intellectual than his high school classmates, Lucas is always on the outside looking in. Then he strikes up a summer friendship with Maggie, the cute new girl in town. Thinking he's found a kindred spirit, Lucas begins to fall in love. But when school begins, Maggie starts hanging out with jocks and cheerleaders. And Lucas feels even more alone than ever. When Maggie is attracted to Cappy, love his name. Cappy. <laughs> Cappy. <laughs> like not even, a, ca- not even a nickname, right? Like that's, his, that's all, he's I don't know. Refer- it's all he's ever referred to. He's the football captain, but I can't imagine they just forgot his name and once they change his name once he's captain, but whatever. Cappy, the football captain, Lucas decides he'll do anything to win her back, including risking his life and limb to join the football team. In an insightful, sensitive film about real kids dealing with real problems. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my Lucas God. is a <laughs> Where's Joe too? This is lifetime territory. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas And they capitalized every letter when they said this. So I'm sure it's like, Lucas is a touching, telling story that says, when all's said and done, the best person is to be yourself. Wait, what? (laughs) He wasn't being himself. Okay. I understand what they mean. I get what they mean. But like, I I take umbrage with that summary. I mean... Oh my classic, goodness! Classic though VHS summary. I love. There. I'm loving the misdirection of the advertising team. Like not just with this movie, but like in general, it's one of my favorite parts of being on the show and listening to the show. Is like how misleading the box can be. <laughs> it's so true. Okay, so I thought we I'd see a lot of scholarship on this film. Seeing again, it's one of Ryder's first film, early Corey film, Charlie Sheen. Not a lot of scholarship on the production. David Seltzer is the writer and the director. Yeah. Had you heard of him at all? Uh, no. I like Seltzer, the drink, though. I cut it with <laughs> juice a lot. It's really good. So he's most famous for writing The Omen. Oh, okay. He wrote The Omen, but he didn't direct it, right? He didn't. This yeah. is a directorial debut, I believe. Oh, he wrote okay. and directed this film. But he also, right after this, wrote and directed a film I think you've covered, but I don't remember, on Hanks for the Memories, called Punchline? No. Oh, Are you familiar no. with that? I am very familiar with that. That is up there with, yeah, one of Hanks's worst movies ever. <laughs> yeah, not even a uh, contest with that one. Punchline is rough. I mean, Sally Field's terrific in it, but Hanks is rough as it gets. It's weird because it's like it's about stand-up, you know, and there just aren't a lot of movies about stand-up, so it's too bad that one of them is, is not good. <laughs> so, oh, well. <laughs> I clicked on it. I'm like, I don't remember you guys having this episode. I don't remember that episode coming out. So I guess it was a forgettable. Oh, it's a, it's a really good episode, though, because Joey and I, like, usually like everything, you know? Uh, <laughs> but when we don't, like, and we agree on not liking something, like, it kind of tends to an interesting conversation. So we're going to have a new segment here that's related to, I think, all the oh. all the other Cage Club shows. It's not a crazy segment, but... You know, you have some cruise nections sometimes. You have some cage nections. I think we're going to have some Corey nections when we talk about these films. Cool, cool. So Corey Haim, as we know, he's the lead, Lucas Bly. Corey Feldman was actually 
up for the role as well. And they didn't even know each other at this point, and they weren't friends. So that's kind of mm. crazy, right? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Here's another Corey connection for you. Ironically, Corey Haim was offered River Phoenix's role in Stand By Me the same day as he was offered Lucas, and he chose to do Lucas. So he would have Whoa. had another combined Corey movie if he chose Stand By Me, and history would be completely different, I think. That's wild. That's all. That's crazy to to think. Like you know, either one, <laughs> I'd have taken that. Yeah, cool. More on, of course, Corey later, because a lot of Corey here. Uh, Corey Haim, obviously, but Carrie Green, who you mentioned, she plays Maggie, the the redheaded, cute girl in town, the, the new girl, in. right? The new girl, the in new town. girl. Huge, huge years for her. 80, 85 and eighty six. Of course, coming off the Goonies. Summer um, Rental. That was Summer Rental is another Oof. film that... Have you brought that up? Someone's brought that film up to me. I don't think I have. I was considering it as a as a rental later in the show, but yeah, that, that's it. It might have been Larson then. Seems like it would have been. Yeah, I think that's right up his alley. <laughs> Actually, so I was looking up Carrie Green because I was fascinated because she was kind of, as you mentioned, she had some big years in the 80s and not much else. She actually... Grew up in a town very close to where you grew up, Mike, and where yeah. I grew up, frankly, yeah. Wood- Woodcliff Lake. That is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe how close. Like, that's so funny. Like, went to Pascack Hills High School. Like, what? <laughs> Which is funny because we were talking about that dude from the Mighty Ducks who is like, is like your yeah. birthday twin. Yeah. And he went to Pascack Hills as well. So Pascack Hills producing some high school slumber party alum. Oh, and this is wild. Um, I got an email from John Brooks. He listened to my Ninja Turtles 3 episode. Both April O'Neils went to his high school. What? So, Both? Yeah. Judith Hogue and forgive me off the top of my head. I can't remember the, the one that played April in parts two and three, even though I have the internet right in front of me. Let's see. Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> scrolling scrolling where is the cast page turco page turco so like yeah a lot of local talent showing up very awesome so Haim was 14 on set you know he looks young he's he's playing actually older you know he's playing 16 carrie green which i love that name carrie green i don't know why she she was 18 on set so their yeah. age difference was a little bit bigger but it's supposed to be two years um whatever I bring it up because one of the interesting facts I could find on this movie is that Corey Haim had a huge crush on her during the filming. Um, he actually asked her out, and she she wasn't interested or whatever. So there's actually a real tension between them here that is mimicked. I guess mimic's a bad word, but you know we see it play out on screen. Like, and you know, Corey even admitted, like, uh. I was Lucas on the in this movie. And, in terms of, I had a crush on her, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to go out with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he's not really acting. He's just being, <laughs> which is maybe why he's so good in this movie, maybe. <laughs> I think he's good. Now, I mean, I think, you know, the script has problems. A lot of his dialogue is weird at times, but I think he's good. I think he's good in the movie. Yeah, I think he's good as well. Um, this would actually change the trajectory of his career, not just because it was a breakout. He starts getting cast, as we mentioned last time, as more of the, like, friendlier Corey, mm-hmm. whereas Feldman's more of like the goofy friend. It's kind of the opposite in Dream a Little Dream, but in a lot of movies, we'll see him p- play versions of Lucas. And if you listen to his interviews, and I dug through a lot of Corey Haim interviews, he mentions Lucas a lot. He, I mean, he loved doing it, but it was 
he's like people think that I'm Lucas. People think I'm this like dorky kid who got this break, and he's like, I'm not. <laughs> you know, they were both bad boys, both Corys. Like, yes, he had a crush on his co-star, but from all accounts on set, he was like a suave ladies' man, or at least he tried. To all be. right. Well, you know what? What's interesting about like the Corys to me, I think why I am so sort of like attracted to their performances and stuff is because they strike me as like those types of actors who um, you know what you're going to get kind of, they're like a Sam Jackson in the sense that like he's playing his persona all the time and you know what yeah. I mean? And ways like, like Sam Jackson really has not broken that act in a long time to, to do like, you know, something like he wasn't in fences, you know what I mean? Like the Denzel, <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? Like something yeah. like that, like as opposed to some guy like, like Denzel or something, that's what I figured is that, you know, I don't think he's Lucas in real life, but he's been playing sort of a version of the same character in every movie. And so is Corey Feldman. And I kind of like that. And, you know, and it's weird that they're almost playing their personas. Um, And, you know, there's hundreds of actors who get to do that as well. Sam Jackson off the top of my head, if you get where I'm coming from. I think later in life, I think Charlie Sheen became that, especially with like his sitcom stuff, you know, Two and a Half Men. He's just he's just Carlos Estevez on that show. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So Carrie Green, I wanted to mention, because um, I again tried to do a deep dive on her career. She did this movie after Lucas called Three for the Road. Have you heard of it? No, I'm just looking at that now. I'm like, I should know this movie, but it has Charlie Sheen again. And Alan Ruck, of all people, apparently wasn't oh. very good. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's uh, Cameron. Uh, Cameron Fry. Yeah. Yeah, Cameron or, Fry. Or Guy on Bus in Speed. Yes, Guy on Bus. <laughs> Um, I also found out that she directed a film called Belly Fruit, which is a teen film in the late 90s. I've never seen it. I've never huh. heard of it. But I'll definitely check it out because I actually really like her. All right. I was surprised, too, because I remember as like a kid, you know, she was a presence in all these movies during my formative years and then just vanished, right? And, you know, I guess, you know, things happen and whatnot, but, like, I'm looking at her credits now and, like, it looks like she had pretty consistent television work. Uh, yeah, like, like in the 90s and stuff. Here, yeah, mad yeah. about you there and, and, and things. So I would have liked to have seen more of her. I kind of got like, she reminded me a little of like Jenny Lewis also, you know, like from. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what's up with these like these redheads and like, where are they? Yeah, I love that vibe, though. I don't know. <laughs> I thought she was great in this. So you mentioned Charlie Sheen. He's Cappy. We don't really need to give Charlie Sheen an introduction. Or <laughs> I think every, yeah, everybody of... knows a version of Charlie Sheen, right? <laughs> yes, for sure. This is like the nicest Charlie Sheen version I've ever seen, by the way, as Cappy. I guess this is a point in the podcast that we need to at least address the allegations behind this film. Oh, um, what? Uh-oh. Corey Feldman has claimed, and this is since Corey Haim's passing, that uh, Charlie Sheen raped Corey Haim on set of Lucas. Oh, man. Which which creates a black cloud around it. The only reason I'm a little dismissive of it, and I don't want to not believe Corey Feldman, but so many people came out in Charlie Sheen's defense. And honestly, is he a guy people really want to defend? You know what I mean? That's a really good point, but yeah. (laughs) Even Corey Haim's mom was like, that didn't happen. Corey Feldman is lying. So, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Why to would you he... had to bring it up, but I yeah that that's the first time I've ever heard that, and like I feel like I know, not that that's trivia or anything, but I mean I feel like I know a lot about movies, and 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 even though I never watched this one, I feel like I would have heard that right, like I feel like that would have come up 
prior to his passing. I don't know. That's a weird one. Either way, it's a shame, right? Because if it happened, that's really, really dark. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's really, really fucked up. And if it didn't happen, and we know that there's actually, like, semi-confirmed cases of sexual assault against the Corys, right? Like, if you're just dragging... If you're Corey Feldman and you're looking for relevancy and you're dragging other people into this and creating more of that, then, like, don't do that, man. Was this this during Charlie Sheen's, like, tiger blood phase? And when he was going out on tour and doing spoken word, maybe, like, you know, since he was in the spotlight promoting sort of toxic like (laughs) being a toxic person i don't know how else to put it right like he's out there doing toxic stuff saying tiger blood and all this kind of shit maybe feldman just kind of like you know had an urge to to take him down a peg somehow or other i don't don't know i'm just it's all speculation again it's the first i ever heard of this yeah so he had a documentary last year early last year my truth the rape of two two corys it was called and that was the jesus allegation in it i don't think we'll be covering it on this podcast not this nope i don't know <laughs> this this whole this whole series is taking a turn like i not expected right now i mean you know i knew there was right. i knew there was like uh, uh you know stuff happened but i just didn't know like this around this movie is uh, i was not expecting it tonight <laughs> Corey feldman's details are very like graphic but again unfor- i mean like i'm not trying to you know Nothing against Corey Feldman, but the guy is not ex- is not exactly like the most reliable narrator either, and you know, and it's like, I don't know. That's that's it's tough. It's tough. I have to address it. I can't yeah, ignore yeah. it on this show. But it's one of these things where you're like, ooh. But again, I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Maybe maybe a truth will come out one of these days. Maybe it won't. But it was wide so widely discredited. This rumor, like I said, even Corey Haim's mother was like, that did not happen. But I don't know. Who knows, right? I'll tell you, though, that's one thing I'm glad is not in this movie is that it's not about sort of like any kind of like sexual awakenings or any forced any kind of thing. Like there's no it doesn't go into like fast times territory. You know what I mean? Like I was grateful for that this time around. Like this is a very wholesome uh, teen movie, I would say. Just from doing a bit of research here, even while we're talking this is so convoluted. Like, Corey Haim's sister says that she thinks Charlie Sheen did it because he had an affair with her. Charlie Sheen claims to not even know her. Um, the mom says it didn't happen. Some people say Charlie Sheen was framed by another actor. <laughs> I don't know, man. Dude, we need, like, know. a making of Lucas now. Like, what is... This is like an HBO show, you know, when they do, like, their true crime reenactment investigation dramas and things about like sex cults like they want to tackle lucas as an eight episode series like i guess i'm there for it look maybe maybe we'll get the truth in the lifetime movie i don't know there Um, we go yeah right hopefully it all comes out in the life because because if one thing (laughs) there's one thing i know (laughs) lifetime will get the details perfect They'll, they'll be so accurate and acute <laughs> that there'll be no disputing the Lifetime movie. <laughs> and I hate to break it to you, Mike. This is going to come up again. I know uh, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, has another alleged rapist in there of Corey Haim. It, it's going to come up again. But let's discuss Lucas the film. And as you mentioned, it's a pretty cute, non-controversial film for the most part. There are elements here or there that maybe are not 2020, but certainly certainly it's a lot cleaner than a lot of 80s films. Yeah, However, yeah. the original cut was an R cut. There's an R cut of Lucas 
out in the ether oh, somewhere. Can you believe oh, that? Is it just Jeremy Piven going wild for an extra 10 minutes, letting the fucks <laughs> loose left and right and squeezing all kinds of fruits with his biceps? Like, what is it? <laughs> like, what could be in that? It's probably the, the harsh language. Right? I could see Lucas saying fuck a couple times more. I'm not terribly sure. Uh, the, did, the note I did get on it is something I did want to bring up. This is shot in Chicago. This is another Chicago teen film. Like the Hughes film, like a lot of other films. Ah, bull stop bears. Which, cool, whatever. So they shot in a Chicago high school, or Chicago area high school, I should say. And the high school asked to see the cut. They thought the cut was too R-rated or raunchy. They asked that it be cut to a PG cut. Which, again, PG Hmm. at the time is not the PG we know now. It's just the next level. Yeah, PG-13... Wasn't around until like after Gremlins and and Raider and uh, Temple of Doom. So like yeah, right around the next year uh, that that rating will be introduced. I think. Uh, interesting. I wonder. You know, we get so much shirtless sheen in this movie. Maybe they maybe that scene went on a bit longer, and you know, and they're like, oh, it's too salacious. Teenagers making it, out. It shirtless. wouldn't shock me either if like. They showed naked cheerleaders at some point, you know. And they oh, that's that. a good point. Like, there's like the locker hazing scene, which, uh, you know, we'll talk th- about that. Yeah, and stuff like maybe there was a there's like a mirrored version of that scene with the girls, you know, because of the tension between um, like Maggie and Elise or whatever. Like, yeah, there could have been some boobs cut out or something like that. And you mentioned Elise, Courtney Thorne Smith. You know, she ended up. Being on Two and a Half Men, by the way, if you're a fan of that show. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that show, but like, yes, I did know that she is on that show, which is weird. Yeah, but I mostly know her from Melrose Place and a movie you've covered, Summer School. Summer School, yeah, I like her and Melrose Place as well. Another uh, Larson shout out because I know he likes that show. She plays Elise, the popular girl, the popular cheerleader or whatever. But you mentioned her before, Mike. Winona Ryder in her debut yeah. film. And doesn't she just jump off the screen? I thought she was awesome. It's like she was born on screen or something. Like, it's weird, right? It's like, I was like, oh, this person never existed up until this moment where she just materialized in a movie or something like that. Like, it's so crazy how how much I'm like, wow, she really belongs in movies. And she's like, for a kid and stuff, she's so like captivating. And they like, she's got those huge anime eyes and stuff, you know, and they really draw you in. And she's got like the short pixie haircut and stuff too. So it's like not a Winona that I'm familiar with or anything. Like, I don't know that look. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like kind of drew, drew me into the character a bit more visually and stuff. Very cool. She feels almost ahead of her time, right? Like, if I'm in yeah, that school, yeah. this movie's interesting in a sense. Uh, a lot of guys feel this way about girls, unrequited love, but we get along so well, especially younger people, I mean. We get along so well. Why aren't we together? I think it does a really good job of, like, Lucas doesn't get the girl in the end, you know what I mean? But it, yeah. it also ha- has a consolation prize in theory, like, well, this really cute, awesome band girl likes him. I know. So he's going to be okay. <laughs> right from the start, like, that that's what I mean. Like, these kids are really good. Like, she is projecting that without question, right? The way that her body language and stuff. And Lucas is, or I should say Corey, is also great in the way that he's, like, rejecting her without even considering it, you know? Like, it's not even a thought to him, and you can feel it in the, in the performance and stuff, so... Really cool, like, stuff they're dealing with like that. They're doing it in a cool way. Like, he's also going to get put in the friend zone by Maggie and everything. And so it's, like, this bizarre quadrangle of, like, love 
you know, <laughs> unrequited love or whatever. And I think they had to do it that way because I think they created a character here, or maybe it was, you know, Corey's own acting himself, but where you like, you're rooting for him even when he's doing, you know, reckless things or whatever. And to just have him not wind up with the girl while that's like realistic, I, I think as a moviegoer, mm-hmm. you want in the back of your head this idea that like, well, he's meeting someone even greater. You well, know? yeah, I don't think. Yeah, well, what's interesting is by the end of the movie, after the film ends, like he he's completely accepted. Like I don't think he'll have a problem. You know, like even if at that point Rena is like has a boyfriend and was like, "Sorry, you took too long" or whatever. Like I'm <laughs> sure there's someone else waiting to take Lucas out to the movies at this point. You know, after coming back to school and everything, and and the whole sort of uh, uh, climax and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, And then Jeremy Piven, as you mentioned, his debut role. want to bring him up, too, for a lot of reasons. One, it was jarring seeing him because very, I realized very. he was in this movie. But two... Two, he him, was, he's already 40 in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, him and Cusack were, I think it was Jeremy Piven's parents' theater company. Yeah, okay. Because all the, all the... Him and both of his sisters, they're all, like, actors. And everything. All the Cusacks are in this theater company, I believe. Jeremy Piven is. A couple other people are. Um, and they're just Chicago teen actors. And as I mentioned, a lot of teen films would go through and film in Chicago. And they would basically, like, get these Chicago-based teen actors. And that's why you see Cusack in the background of a lot of things. You'll see Piven again in the background of a lot of things, including Say Anything, you know? Cusack's yeah. movie. Yeah. I just found it funny that I just imagined even John Cusack and his sister went out for roles in this and like and they picked Jeremy Piven this time, you know what I mean? And then Sixteen Candles and stuff will pick John Cusack and it, it's just crazy the teen background actors of Chicago. The, <laughs> yeah, the like extras calendar. or something, right? Yeah. That's funny. It's almost like could be the name of their, their theater troupe, the extras of Chicago. Like if you if you need a bunch of kids with the right accent, we gotcha. The other person I'll bring up is uh, Garrett M. Brown. He plays Mr. Kaiser, who's like the guidance counselor. I was like, where have I seen this guy? And then like recently I was watching Uncle Buck. Okay. He plays the dad in Uncle Buck. And the only thing I I remembered it because he looks the same. You know what I mean? Like he's just got glasses and curly hair. So that's the only other person I recognize. Anyone else here? Not a big cast, so anyone else here that you recognized? So, Bruno the Bully. I thought I recognized this guy from a lot of stuff. The actor's name, I think it's Tom Hodges. Uh, yeah. If I've got the right guy. Uh, but apparently he's, like, been in nothing. So, like, I don't know who I'm thinking of. He's been in something, but maybe, like, the only thing it could have been is Revenge of the Nerds 2. And, like, my memory of that is super foggy. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm looking at what he's in, and I've seen a bunch of it. Like, the... the um, that movie, Michael the Angel, you know, oh, the yeah. Travolta film, but I don't know who he could have been in that. The Dark Backwards, which is a great movie. I don't know who he could have been in that. Uh, Critters 2, but I don't know who he could have been. So, like, it's weird. Like, the guy came on screen, and I was like, oh, this dude. And then I looked them up, and I was like, who? What? I don't I don't know. So that was weird. He had a bunch of episodes as, like, a friend character in the, the Hogan family, Hogan's Valerie show. Okay, I don't. I mean, yeah, maybe it was that too. <laughs> like I, I was um, just trying to see myself, because but he, yeah, you know, he's just like the typical '80s dude. So well, yeah, like, big big blonde bully was like. The <laughs> thing. Oh man, so let's start talking about the film and the the way this film opens up with like the bugs, the locusts, like, the locusts. I'm like, is it a metaphor? Is it a metaphor? They're it coming a out metaphor. of their shells. Of course, it's. A me- I mean. 
you're, you're cutting from him with the with the bug net, you know, looking for Pokemon, and then you got like the bugs and stuff, you know, because that's what it reminded me of. Actually, like when I was a kid, bug collecting was actually still a thing. I didn't do it. Uh, I think that is sort of outdated now. Yeah, um, it was but always it the nerd, like in TV shows and movies. And but I I jokingly say Pokemon because like when I think of bug catching like when i look at lucas he looks like the creator of pokemon like the guy if you look him up and if i get his name wrong forgive me but satoshi tajiri is his name and like he grew up collecting bugs and having a bug collection and that's how he thought of pokemon when he grew up and became a game designer and everything and like yeah he went around with the net as a kid he had the big glasses he had the bucket hat he had like you know his little book with his drawings and everything and i was like holy shit when lucas burst on the scene i i started hearing like ash's theme from the cartoon (laughs) that lucas look though like you said that the hat the big glasses that i love that look it just it sets him apart we know who he is, but he's still charming in a sense. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a big nerd, but I don't know. I kept saying like cute when I was watching this movie. Like like the, the things that are happening on screen, yeah. you were like, oh, Lucas. You know, he's, he's like everyone's pretty like well designed. Like he's got a great sort of uniform, and it speaks to his character as like he thinks he knows himself like so well. Which, like, later on, he'll really deviate from his comfort zone in a huge way, and it made me wonder if he's like trying to be something he's not but in fact i think he's trying to prove a point you know and as to like he knows what he's he's more capable than people to uh, take him to be and stuff and so like that's what i thought of watching this movie i was like you know the way this character comes across is someone who's like he knows who he is is confident in who he is even if other people like treat him like a nerd or a jerk like he kind of brushes that shit off for the most part you know he kind of accepts himself I guess is what I'm saying. Even if he is ashamed of himself and we'll get to that part towards the end. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that part, which was a big, uh, a big twist there. Um, But for the most part, you know, aside from that one thing, like he's pretty much like confident in who he is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what makes this early summer friendship believable. Cause we've both seen movies where the guy, like a dorky kid and like a, cute girl get together and you're kind of like why you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah i wasn't asking myself that question here because lucas is sure of himself and not in a cocky way but he's okay with being unique you know and then maggie she's kind of similar in a sense that like you know eventually when she gets to school and she wants to be a cheerleader but she has motivations for that right but early in the summer when she's just playing tennis they just seem to strike up a genuinely nice friendship i loved it yeah. I know I know Lucas's feelings and I get that and he's a young kid and you know we've been there as young kids falling for the girl next door or whoever you know but I love this little summer thing when they uh Lucas shows her like the tunnel and they they listen to like the sh- outdoor Chicago symphony This is creepy Lucas Don't worry it's okay What if we get lost <laughs> Chicago Conservatory. Do you mind if we listen? No, fine with me. Thank you. Never mind. Come on, sit down. 
Sit over here. Excuse me. I hate to bother you again, but would you possibly have a program I can borrow? <laughs> they do so many things that only kids could do or would do like when they have a conversation later under the overpass it's like only they could like fit there and treat it as a park bench or something yeah i love i love that whole bonding sort of sequence that they have and i almost wish it was longer and there was more of it and, and you get the sense that like if like cappy never like existed they would probably have become something you know like, it, like when they're going out to the movies they feel like a couple and like they act like one and she you know seems to have feelings and not for you know and she's like looking at charlie sheen and his girlfriend and stuff and she's like i want that but i'm not getting the sense that she wants that with him i'm thinking like maybe she's wondering if she could have that with lucas at that point you know it's really crazy how much i feel like they could be into each other. Well, I feel like her feelings for Lucas are that of a girl, right? And I feel like when she sees Charlie Sheen, Cappy, they're more feelings of a woman, you know? Yes, she considers Lucas a friend, but it wouldn't shock me if they were dating like that. But I, I it's going to sound weird, but I feel like when she meets Cappy, that's more of a sexual awakening. And she's more like, okay. oh, oh, yes. that's how you're supposed to feel about someone. Mm. Like, Lucas yeah. is kind of puppy love. Like, this is a man. You know, He does look like a man. So I'm going to have to ask you to take a shot because I'm going to throw the word out there. Superficial. Because I think this is one of the points. Because that's like a big... It's a thing you don't realize when you're a kid. Like, this movie does a really good thing of, like, kids acting like kids and, like, not having, like, a full brain yet. And, like, you know, having reasoning skills and logic skills and all that stuff isn't really formed to its potential yet and stuff. So you make bad decisions and bad choices or impulsive decisions and, and things like that. And, and I think superficiality comes into play more than you realize. And so like, even, even if you don't realize it, you look at Lucas and you see one thing and you look at Cappy and you're like, Oh, he's like an, it's like a full on, that is a man. just shot, but it's so shallow. You know what I'm saying? Like it's purely surface because you talk to Cappy, he's kind of dull. Like, no offense, like, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but Lucas is full of facts, he's interesting, he's always talking about something new and stuff, and Cappy's, like, easily depressed, fighting with his girlfriend all the time, and his girlfriend, like, is only characterized as being sort of annoying because she gets a bug in her hair and she doesn't like bugs. It's like, who, <laughs> no, like nobody really likes, like, you can't just characterize her in that one way and then break up with her and then you'd be like, you know, oh, Maggie is so much more interesting because she's the new girl than my girlfriend who's, like, perfectly, you know, great in every other way. Like, I don't know. It's weird to me, you know, but, like, that feels very authentic to teenage relationships, right, and the way that teenagers think. So I appreciated that. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to fault her either. I, I agree. I think there is a superficiality to that. I think Lucas is more interesting. But they have that conversation later in the film, like, you know, under the overpass or whatever, where they're talking about evolution. And yes. Darwin, right? <laughs> and like, she's like, I don't know. You maybe you know. I'm not attracted to you that way, the way I'm attracted to him. Have you been crying? Yes, so what? I mean, wimps do that. Didn't you know? Just like big, strong guys. What do you want me to do, Lucas? I don't care. Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Go to bed with him. That's not fair. 
Yeah, a lot of things aren't fair. Lucas, you and I were just friends. Why? What do you mean, why? I mean, why just friends? Because that's all we were. Yeah, but why? Well, you're 14. Romeo was 14. I don't know, Lucas. There are certain people you like in a certain way, and others you like as a friend. I don't know why. You know about science. Do you know why? Actually, I do. It's called the process of natural selection. You ever heard of Darwin? Well, the males who demonstrate physical prowess are the most attractive to the females. And by breeding with the strongest males, the females ensure survival of the species. And I just think there's something primal, believe it or not. They don't show it, but there's something primal and superficial in her attraction to Cappy. I'll use this again, a sexual awakening. We see yeah. it in a lot of movies from guys, right? Like, oh, true. the hot, the hot girl grew boobs over the summer. I'm not saying that. Again, we, we've seen it in movies. But, like, oh, I'm so attracted to her now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and Lucas, you know, takes the cue, right? Like, he acts like a kid, and he tries to become, like, happy more, right? He joins mm-hmm. the football team. But it, what's interesting is he knows his differences and stuff. So he's like, I can do this. I'm different than your other players. But that idea of, like, oh, I if that's what it takes to be a man and get her, like, I can do that. Like, it just never thought that's what she wanted or, or you know what I'm saying but if that's what they want like I'm sure I could do it and everything so I love how resourceful he is uh, as well and everything um, yeah it's just I don't know it's it's interesting and the performances take it from like being corny to being I don't know a little bit more nuanced in that sense oh because I- yeah but th- I think that's what separates it from being a lifetime movie because this is the Lifetime movie, you know, about the boy who's secretly from the other side of the tracks, but puts on the airs of living in the rich side of town. You know, it's pretty in pink at the end, but with the boy, right? Like, that's kind of what we find out is that Lucas is a latchkey kid who lives in a trailer park, not the son of two wealthy lawyers uh, who live in a mansion and stuff like that. Let's talk about the first kind of day of school and the high school elements here. Cause so, so we're seeing a lot of the summer. We're seeing the football players have like their summer practices, the cheerleaders having their summer practices, th- things like that. But once we get into school, you start to see the dynamics and you can tell Lucas is a little nervous cause he's built this friendship or, or whatever. And now she's going to see what it's like for him in real life at the school. Yeah. And that, and that's so interesting and, and intense, right? Apparently, Lucas is accelerated. I think he's accelerated by at least a year, maybe two. But, like, they might be in the same grade, but he's been in high school already as a kid. And, like, a real kid, like a middle schooler, essentially. So, the nicest way to put it is that he's essentially, like, the school's mascot. But it, of course, is a form of bullying. Some people are super nice about it. And some people are like, whoa, you know, crossing the line. I like the friend of his who's in, like, the video club or whatever. Oh, yeah, that was a great touch. (laughs) 
when they go to school though they do a great job of showing how chaotic like you said like the, like the hallways are and and they you know lucas is a little kid so like everything is very claustrophobic and he's smushed and condensed and he can't get through and all that like they do a great job of showing like things from his perspective at school and let me just get this right so they get to school on the first day and they find out that the old is it the old band teacher committed suicide is that is that the, the news in the hallway and then and then like the guys like we're gonna we're gonna have an assembly like and and figure this out like something is that, that's what happens right yeah, it's not 100% identified if that's actually what happens. I think it is implied. Like, some people say no, some people say yes. It creates this weird through line, especially yeah. like Winona's writer's character. Like, oh, it's okay to kill yourself for love. And they even tease that at some moment that Lucas might be actually doing yeah. that. Yeah. Like, why did they introduce I'm like, why did that's they introduce a, that? Was heavy. that? It's too, like, because it makes you think, and they're talking about Romeo and Juliet, it makes you think that Lucas is going to fucking kill himself in this movie. That, like, thought really never crossed my mind without the movie asking me to think about it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, like, until those references came up, I was like, don't do that. That doesn't belong here. And you're like, who's going to do it? Is it going to be Winona, too? Because she's the one talking about it a lot. Right. Is it going to be Maggie because of all Maggie? the like, pressures? Is it Cappy? Like, it could, like <laughs> you know, don't be Spike. Please, Spike. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh because it's fucked up. It I'm- is, though. But all you could do is laugh because that's what I was doing. I was like... You know, they're talking about how the teacher died, and Winona's like, oh, I heard he had a heart attack. And the other guy's like, no, I heard, like, he sucked on a tailpipe. And the other guy comes in, he's like, more like the end of a revolver or something, you know? Like, Uh, like, what? Yeah, I'm like, this is morbid. Like, this is... I I was surprised that this was Lucas. (laughs) Like, meanwhile, you're having this kind of meet-cute happening between Cappy and Maggie, that's like the home ec scene. Like, Cappy's so cool because he's the captain of the football team, but he's also in home ec and in choir and things like that. He's such an idiot. He doesn't know how to put a cap on a blender. And his name is Cappy. Ah, oh, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Lucas because Lucas did his homework for him. But, like, yeah. dude, you got him. You don't realize, like, you kind of bullied him to be your friend so you could get him to do your homework like he doesn't realize that you know what i mean like you could see it's on his no face. because like, i think he's, he's got... an idiot <laughs> exactly <laughs> he is he's a dunce he's such a dud there's that pep rally scene too and so look the pep rally is put on uh in lieu of class when everybody finds out that the teacher's dead and may have killed himself they're like everybody into the auditorium we've got a show to for you to distract and it's this pep rally and it's the it's like what? <laughs> You're not even going to address the elephant no. in the room? <laughs> but you know what? That The one bully brings him on stage, Lucas on stage, and he tries to embarrass mm-hmm. him. And he mm-hmm. does, but then Lucas kind of owns the moment, and he gets the school to laugh when he's doing just like those poses on stage. So I, I actually like this scene because it shows that even when Lucas is being teased, he's not like... It's not like Gus Van Sant's elephant where he's like, I'm going to take a gun and kill no. people. No, you know no, I mean? no. Yeah, or himself. No, he, he kind of likes the attention. Like, he want, you know, he's like the rest of 
the kids like he wants the attention like he's kind of happy everybody knows who he is just not why everybody knows who he is you know i think that's more of it and it's like he's able to own that moment in for a minute and then the ultimate authority the teacher just straight up embarrasses the you know as you know when he like forces him off the stage because he can and like the whole place gets silent and he walks out like you know charlie brown and everything like (laughs) it's just like that's sort of more embarrassing for him than getting dragged up there in the first place yeah yeah these moments have the the, they're really good they're really good for feeling and connecting. And again, I think Corey Haim does such a good job of having his real personality come out in these moments. Oh, he's got like a Jerry Lewis act on stage, you know? He kind of looks like him. He's giving him like the thumb, thumbing him off and all that kind of stuff. And I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was like doing genuine funny stuff up there. You know, and we get a couple of scenes that really, like, explain the dynamics here. There's that scene at the movie theater where they see uh, the fly. It wasn't the Jeff Goldblum one. No, the Vincent, the Vincent Price one. <laughs> Which is still a good one. Insects, you know, we're getting connections here. But uh, what's the bully dude's name? Bruno. Bruno. How could I forget? Bruno really picks on him. And then Cappy saves the day. And he's like, let's all go out after the movie. And then I'm expecting like them to go out to dinner or something. And no, they have a reckless fucking car ride that, where they that was, all die. <laughs> that was insane. That was crazy. I'm like, what movie are we in all of a sudden? Like, is this one of those driver's ed films that you see? <laughs> Who's going to end up as a you know as a as a stain on the road here at the end of this sequence? That was wild. Like they're they're passing beers around. Jeremy Piven is doing his act. He's doing the. He's like, help me, help me. He's like going nuts, man. He's doing like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to get enough of him this this evening. But um, what a surprise! Romantic sparks continue to fly, and the girlfriend of Cappy finally starts to be like Elise. I think her name is. Finally starts to be like, all right. Things are weird. I got a bug in my hair, and he seems to be talking to the other girl. Eventually, it leads to their breakup. There's that great ADR scene because, like, he's just dropping her off at night, and uh, it's just one shot of them pulling into her driveway. But she is just reading him the riot act like the whole time. She's like, "You're always looking yeah. at her. You're never talking to me. You can't. You're not listening. Like, you hear me?" She's like, "It's over." <laughs> She's like, "Get out of the car. It's crazy." You know what's funny? As you mentioned ADR, and I didn't bring this up in the cast, but Gary Cole was on the credits. Did you see? Like, the, yeah. The what's that Cole. about? He and I'm like, oh, it must be a different Gary Cole. And I looked it up. It is indeed that Gary Cole. And he's in this movie in the background, apparently, and he's ADR'd for his one line. Let me see who he exactly <laughs> played. So when, you, when you bring up ADR, I was like, what? Uh, he's got to be like a teacher. You know he's what I'm a, saying? assistant coach. He's an oh assistant coach. Oh, my dear. <laughs> the coach in this is actually pretty funny. There's yeah. the one scene at the end when they're all celebrating, and, and he walks by, and he just, like, does everything but like give the kids the finger like he just kind of like brushes them off as like that's not important to me at all whatsoever i care i could care absolutely less about what's going on over there right now (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah i I liked him a lot and but i bring up adr and sound as well if there was something that was weird about this movie i was just the inconsistency of the music okay sometimes it's really like fantasy sometimes it's very lifetime this music here 
I agree. Like, it really didn't strike the chord I felt it should. Um, a lot of it just felt sort of... Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't... It, fe- it just felt generic. You know, that's the best I guess I could yes. say. And that's why, yes. that's why I did also have, like, that lifetime vibe. Because some of it felt like you know, library catalog music. Like, I feel like there was some classical music mixed in at times, you know, things that they could just have the rights to, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff um, without Yeah, cl- yeah classical music, you're right. And then it's just like kind of silly, like chitty chitty bang bang-esque music at times. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of like fantastical or um, whimsical, more whimsical or less. Whimsical is the best way stuff, to put yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> but again, like you said, we do get this breakup scene. But again, I wanted to bring that up because... Lucas is supposed to go to one of the dances with uh, Maggie, and Cappy's supposed to go with his girl, right? There's a breakup, and, oh, man, Lucas is in that, like, tux, riding his bike. He goes to Maggie's house, and what a shitty situation. Because he's like, hey, we're going to go to the dance, right? And she's, first the mom answers the door, and you could tell she's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. Mm, okay, Maggie's going to come out. And Maggie's explaining that Cappy broke up with his girlfriend. And he's really sad. Wow, look at you. You look great. You too. You rented a tux? Yeah, I rented it. I bought the tie. I get to keep it. And I bought the shoes. You went through so much trouble. No, it's no problem. I'll pay you back if it costs a lot. No, it's fine. So, you ready to go? I don't think we can go, Lucas. Why not? Cappy and Elise broke up today. But aren't they here? Well, Cappy's here. But he's very depressed. Sit down. She was jealous, or she doesn't like me or something. She said she'd break up with him if he went through with it. She didn't want to go with us, Luke. So I think we have to call it off. I have my bike. We can still go. He kind of needs someone with him tonight. I don't want to leave him by himself. He had tears in his eyes when he came over tonight. Can you imagine that big, strong guy crying? Sorry, bud. Am I a drag or what? Listen, I think you should come to the dance with us. I think it'll cheer you up. No, I'd feel like a third wheel. We were thinking of going out for a pizza. Why don't you come with us? Yeah, why don't you? You're going out for pizza? Well, it's just a suggestion. If you're so depressed, how come you're eating pizza? 
and he's already in her home. They've definitely made out already, okay? Like, they're not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend here that, like, oh, I'm consoling him, right? Like, they knew what was going on. Like, oh, my God, Lucas is outside. What are you going to tell him? Yeah, yeah. Th- this is just the ultimate bad timing. But you're right. Like, there was a scene that they didn't film or write where Maggie and Cappy had already gone out on a date or something after, or even maybe even before he broke up with his girlfriend, you know, uh, after the uh, the washroom scene, which we got to talk <laughs> a little more about in a minute. So, like, this movie is slow and I don't mean that in a bad way and I mean that it takes its time and in several scenes it does this and this is one of them where it really feels more like a play or something where or again like a lifetime movie but with like really high caliber kid actors okay that can pull this stuff off and I still want to get to why I think Charlie Sheen's doing a good job in this movie but this sequence like really takes the time to play out the dynamics of this relationship now you know what I'm saying and like put everything in its place and everybody sort of caught up to speed with everybody's feelings and stuff and so it's not exactly like an exposition dump but it kind of is one of those scenes you get in like an action movie where like you're going over the plan and everybody's coming up to speed or something and like I really appreciated like this moment and it's a difficult scene for sure but it's supposed to be you know Lucas is basically finding out for sure that he is just gonna be a friend and at the exact same time that his date to the dance is not going with him to the dance and is now uh, hanging out with supposedly one of his best friends, you know, like his other best friend, pretty much. And uh, he's being sort of not even like pushed. I mean, it's even more insulting when they invite him out to pizza with with them. You know, he's like, why don't you come to the dance with us? And he's like, well, why don't you come to pizza with us? And it's yeah. like, no, dude, like you could have just said no. <laughs> like, it's almost like they're insulting his intelligence at that point or something. Absol- but- they're pandering <laughs> down to him. That's no, it. Yes. <laughs> you're right, though, in a sense. Like, I wasn't trying to diss the scene. I actually think it's a really great scene. I was just putting myself in Lucas's, like, shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, totally. You're treating me like a kid here. Like, he, maybe he shouldn't have assumed that they were dating or anything like that. And he doesn't act out in a nasty way, which is good, but... He has his suspicions, but he doesn't want to go there in his own mind because he would never feel like he would be betrayed by his two friends, you know? It felt felt like a scene where it's like two parents talking to a kid like, hey, little buddy. Yeah, so patronizing. Yeah, we can't go to the ball game anymore, but we're going to get ice cream instead. Do you want to come? You know what I mean? Something like that. Like, oh, God. Again, great scene, great moment. This movie gives you the feels. As silly as it is on paper, it gives you those feels. So you wanted to go back to that washing machine scene. Yeah. Yeah, because it's super awkward. Well, okay, so it's like a really weird, awkward setting for what could be... Like, otherwise, a very sort of comfortable conversation. You know what I'm saying? And I, I kind of appreciated that, that it took it to the, like, oh, uh, you don't usually, like, hang out and wash clothes with someone, and this dude's shirtless, and he's a hunk, and I, you know, we're just having this, like, we're starting to have this conversation together and stuff like that. But the main reason that I wanted to bring this scene up is because I realized something that Charlie Sheen is doing in this movie, and it's his sort of relentless eye contact okay and i think it could be taken like one of two ways i think it plays more as sort of um like interest okay like he's trying to absorb what you're saying but it could also be taken as like you know he's a psycho like why doesn't he blink and look away from someone (laughs) when he's talking to them or anything but i think it really worked for him in this movie because it gives him sort of this 
like innocence in a weird way and the idea that he doesn't you know that he knows he's maybe not the brightest bulb so like he's really concentrating on like paying attention to to her especially in this scene i feel like he like that's what i get from from that scene that sort of carries me out through the rest of the movie um i buy his sort of uh wanting to be with her after this you know i really get the sense that like he's genuinely trying to get to know her in this moment or something. I don't know if you felt that or anything or yeah. picked up on his crazy eye contact throughout this movie. <laughs> I, I did notice that. I also like this scene where, uh, I don't know, they're talking, they get to, into the subject of traveling. She was like, oh, I've been to Orlando. He's like, wow, you travel? It's like, oh, Orlando. <laughs> like, again, I, there's no diss to Orlando, but it's not like, oh, I've been to uh, Nepal and hiked this and another teenager. So I get it in a sense, but it's like. Yeah, but like, at least like I've been to like Paris or, or, or England or I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I, I want to travel too. It's like, what'd you do in Orlando? Went to Disney World. You, That's it. Yeah, I know. She just didn't want to say because it sounds more adult not to say Disney World. It sounds more adult to say Orlando. Exotic Orlando. Ooh. <laughs> So the one the one thing about this scene though that I don't know what is going on is uh he explains to her why Lucas actually started doing his homework. He got hepatitis? Like yeah. he goes, I got a case of hepatitis. Can you just get a case of hepatitis? Like I I didn't think that went away. Um uh, I'm not a nurse or a doctor or anything like that. So, so he- hepatitis is in the herpes family and people People snicker at herpes, but chickenpox is herpes. You know what I mean? There are a lot of I I could be wrong about that, but I, I know it's one okay. of these things. I know it's one of these things where like mono, like I had mono, right? Mm-hmm. I I forever have mono, but I'll never get the okay. symptoms again. You know what I gotcha. mean? Gotcha. It's like a virus or something, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And it's, I believe so that it's like that where you could get like depend there's there's a lot of different hepatitis. I'm not a doctor. So I don't know. Yeah, I know it's like letter graded, right? Like A, B, C, and so forth. Because I know my mom, believe it or not, like as a child, got it, and she was in like she missed like a year of school because of it. So it is similar. It just you don't hear that in movies. (laughs) Like yeah, it just threw me because I'm just used to now hearing about like seeing commercials late at night for like people's Hep C and things like you know hearing that more. I think we have it a lot more under control in this era than it was in the 80s. But it's also weird that he. I mean, I give him points for being honest, but he's sort of like telling her, like, "Yeah, you kiss me, you're gonna get herpes." <laughs> like, we're gonna. <laughs> it's like you want HPV. It's like, all right. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> anyway, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna STD shame here, but woo. From a, even a writer's standpoint, he could have just said, "I had mono," or "I broke my leg," or it just it, it struck it's me weird. as something. They don't. It's, it's not weird. hepatitis is weird. It is weird that they would go in that direction, and then just also knowing like Charlie Sheen's later history. <laughs> oh man! Oh uh, right! Like, uh, no, I'm just remembering he made an announcement like recently like he, too. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I believe he's HIV positive. I'm right, not, right, or something right, along those he, lines. So yeah, that's what he said. Just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Last thing, and then we can get out of this scene. You could see where they tried to cover up his tattoo. Like, it it looks like a bruise. And, you know, the makeup lady is probably like, it's the best I can do. It looks like a bruise. He plays football. It's probably a bruise. But I'm pretty sure they're covering up one of his tattoos in that scene. Yes, it is. Yes, 100%. That was in the trivia, actually. That was a tattoo that they really wanted to cover up because you have tattoos. Most people have, I I don't know about most people, but a good percentage of people have tattoos today 
in the 80s, if you had a tattoo, people were like, oh, he's in a gang or stuff like that. Or, you know? Well, not just that, but if you were in high school oh, and you had a sure. tattoo, sure. like you were from Mars, you know, <laughs> who were, who is that kid? Like, um, like, oh my God, don't let him in my home. Like it was that level. I don't think people realize that about tattoos, especially some of our younger listeners. Um, well, yeah, that's true. I forgot the, the year, but like it's a crazy year when tattoo uh, studios became legal in New York City. Yeah, I think it was like around 90, it was something, it was in the late, it was in like the mid to late 90s, but I remember that too. Like for a very long time, it was like criminal, you know, to even give, to give a tattoo. And then People to have one. Yeah, 97, know. 97 became legal in New York City. That's it, yeah, yeah, have yeah. tattoo studios. Like, so if you saw someone with tattoo, you were like, they're either in a punk band, they're in the Navy, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or, some kind of military, because you could get it overseas, yeah. Or in a gang, <laughs> you know? That was, right, that was, right, or in prison, you know? Prison, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's why they're covering it up here. I think now, maybe, if this movie's made today, unless, who knows, like, I don't know what his tattoo said. It could have been offensive as well, but yeah. No nice boy in high school at that time <laughs> has a tattoo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> That's wild to just think about now, actually. It's like 97. That's crazy. crazy. I can't believe that's that's when. All right. Not crazy. that's Folks, Like that might sound like a long time ago, but that is not a long time ago. <laughs> like, that, is, that is like last week as far as the universe <laughs> cares, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, I guess, this kind of final act of the film where Lucas knows he lost the girl essentially and he's trying to think what he can do to not even win her back because he never really had her but just to show her that he's kind of at least an equal to Cappy yeah and I think it might be I mean I don't know if you picked up on this but I felt like he wasn't even necessarily trying to win her back in any sense just to kind of prove to himself like you know what I'm saying at that point like if you know like, even if I do this and she does want me, like, maybe I, I won't take her for whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of got that thought in my head, like, he's almost doing it more for himself by the end in a weird way. I'm sorry, Dave. I, no, no I agree. With, no, I 100% agree with you. That's actually what I was just going to say. I was so afraid this movie was going to stray into that territory of the friend zone thing in terms of, you, yes. you should have been with me. We should have been together. Blah blah Cause blah. Because that, that's when he holds her hostage, right? Like that's that movie, right? Yes, that's when yeah. he comes and in and he's like, "Friends, I'll show you friends." And like, and, and even growing up, we used to joke around about the friend zone. But now, like in twenty twenty one, the friend zone thing it gets kind of creepy in a sense. Like that's like you said, that's a kidnapping situation. In twenty twenty one, the friend zone is considered one of these things that. It's like you didn't earn the right to be with this person because they were nice to you, you know? And a lot of 80s and 90s yeah. stuff would be about that, right? Like, oh, she's a jerk. Why'd she settle with this guy? And well, this... Yeah, it's like I put in the time is yeah. usually the uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> the justification, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I thought this was going to delve into that. But it really didn't. It really was subtle about it. Sure, he felt that way. But you're right. I felt like he was making a lot of these changes for himself because the movie shows throughout that he's not a quitter. He doesn't give up. Yes. When the chips are down, he goes all in. 
which is which is sweet. It's awesome, and I mean sweet in like a you know like a gnarly sweet way, but also like a aw cute kind in, of in way. in like a touching yeah. kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think something shifts after the dance thing. Like, he ends up going to the dance, but not to the dance. Like, you know, and he has that sort of heart-to-heart with Winona or whatever. And then he kind of wakes up and, I guess, decides, you know, in order to sort of, like, make a statement or to challenge myself, I'm going to do the football thing. And he he joins the football team and everything. And so, like, you know, the movie is called Lucas, right? So I kind of expected it to just go you know deeper into him like i wasn't surprised that you know everyone else sort of drops out of the movie for a little while right like it just becomes like now it's a football movie you know like for the most part i like that about it like i thought that was cool because it put in the work to show that this is more about him doing it more for to for himself for like to prove his self-worth or whatever to prove to not just to prove to her like they belong together it's not even about that it's more like he deserves respect from everybody in a lot of ways right and like he wants to earn that instead of just sort of like you know take it when he can get it i guess because now everything seems in question like was charlie sheen just friends with him like is that a real friendship you know like what is going on like who you know i feel like there's trust issues being thrown around left and right for him now and so like he really can only rely on himself at this point and I think throwing himself into the football thing is like a good metaphor for like working through a lot of that kind of angst and shit. Yeah, and it becomes it becomes a kind of a classic '80s movie when we move oh, dude, into they, the football they, chapter. They do the whole ninety minutes in about two reels. It's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you look at lists, and this is always on lists of like best football movies and this is not a football movie this is just like it happens to have high school football in it <laughs> and in fact we're only going to see the first game of the season mm-hmm. and if this is the first game of the season this coach is going to have a fucking heart attack like he's not going to be the only teacher to blow his brains out by the end God. of the semester <laughs> well, the whole football thing is insane because lucas is so small and they give him equipment that's so big at times i guess this is the best time now to divulge into that shower moment that you oh but real right before that i would like just before we go there something maybe a little more positive i guess it's um this must have been around a certain time or a turning point in school sports because this is smiled upon way more these days than it was frowned upon back at the time that this movie was made and it is stuff like girls playing on the boys team uh having sort of disabled kids on the team and giving everybody a turn or a shot or a chance to play and you know there's a lot of sort of complaint about that in the aughts uh you know not everybody deserves a trophy just for being there participation trophies but like you know what sometimes yeah like i think there's certain circumstances okay uh but even more to the point like he he throws out sort of like the court case right he mm-hmm, he like mm-hmm. lays down the law about it too so i like that as well you know it's sort of him asserting his right to be there uh, kind of staking his claim and is sort of like showing his teeth i i like that aspect of his motivation yeah it shows intelligence and it shows just like guile um, and we should mention, too, which I forgot to mention, that Maggie has joined the cheerleading team at this point, essentially because Cappy's like, you should be a cheerleader. That's what you, what you do to be my girlfriend. He doesn't say that. But, you know, <laughs> no, but that's like, if you're my girlfriend, I date cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay. Could you imagine the character of Cappy 
and the character of Lucas just fused together, they'd be like kind of the greatest teenager. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. And, you know, they're realistic people like that. And they become CEOs of corporations, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> just the cheerleader aspect of this movie is so interesting. I was a little disappointed that Maggie was like, oh, cheerleading seems fun. Let her do her thing. I'm not like upset about that aspect of it. But the <laughs> way they describe cheerleading is like, oh, you're going to go on the away team bus and they don't care what happens in the back of the bus. You know what I mean? Take a shot. Superficial. <laughs> I feel like this scene, you know, because Lucas sneaks into that meeting on, on the grassy knoll. Like it's in it's not like in a classroom. It's outside. But like he sneaks over there to hear what they're talking about. So I really feel like it's more... You know, it's what he thinks cheerleading's all about or something, you know? It's not necessarily... Because they have to tumble and do sports stuff, you know, and pyramids, and it's not it's not all drinking in the back of the bus and stuff. But, like, I feel like that's what, you know, Lucas hears when he sort of shows up and just, like, just catches the tail end of what they're talking about. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So, so Mike, I don't know if I'm crazy, but there was a cheerleader here who looked like the girl from a movie we've covered... Three o'clock high. And yeah. she's the one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Was she in the credits? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, she's the one who's like, oh, blah, 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 and 21 flavors last night. And three o'clock high, right. she's like the main love interest. Right. But she's in this, right? Yeah, she's definitely in this. I didn't necessarily watch all the credits. I don't know. Her name is Annie Ryan because I looked her up online. And yeah, that's that's definitely her. I mean, again, maybe she's one of these like Chicago background teen players that would of, make sense all those like, movies are chicago movies yeah but oh, 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 i mean oh, oh, oh. three o'clock high was filmed in utah but still at that point okay she, and at that point well okay ferris bueller yeah so like she's definitely like a standout though you know what i'm saying like you could definitely pick her out like in a in a teen movie for sure and be like oh okay that's the same person definitely yeah i love that though like love that connection three o'clock high i wanted to bring her up because like the, again, like the whole cheerleader element here, like I, I get disappointed with whatever. The scene we do have to talk about, though, is yes. this. This you you said off air it was your favorite scene in teen movie history. What? Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But the the shower scenes with Corey Haim and the naked boys slapping each other around. We get a homophobic slur. Um, but regardless, what do you think of this? Just to set the scene. He's got a shower after football. Some of the guys are teasing him. So intimidating. By the way, by the way, and I don't know if you were in the same group as me. Like, when I went to high school, we didn't have to shower after gym class. Right. We didn't even have to shower after track practice, right? But in middle school, I would I saw this in movies, and I was so afraid of the high school showers. <laughs> like, going into high school. You know, I was so relieved when that wasn't the case. So I remember like day one of junior high seeing like the showers in the locker room and being like, well, I'm never going to use those. So it doesn't <laughs> matter that they even exist. But like the weird thing is what I learned is like most of the kids brought bathing suits to class by that point and like kept them or brought them home. You know what I'm saying? Like none of the none of the kids in my school that I know of actually showered naked after class like that. Um, everyone was like wearing either underwear or something. So, yeah, so I, I don't know anything of that world necessarily. Yeah, and, and this scene was quite a surprise, not because of, like, like the setting, but because Lucas stands up for himself in the most exposed position possible. 
You know I mean, what I'm saying? Like this, this is the beginning of the movie Carrie, but like reversed <laughs> in every way, right? Like it's it's wild. We get a lot of penis facts in terms of this. So. <laughs> he totally like turns that sort of like gay shame around on that dude too, right? Yeah, that again. was that was tricky. I I don't know if they really handled it like great or anything. Not for but... 2021, but even when no. we were in high school, people were saying the F, but, the gay f word and stuff like that. You know, but but the uh, but Bruno is like making fun of Lucas because of like how small his dick is, you know. But like then again, Lucas is like you know under five, like he has not gone through puberty yet anyway. And then Lucas sort of fires back and is like, well, you know, the biggest dick in the room would be the one who's most excited to be around a lot of naked guys. Is basically what he says to Bruno, right? And Bruno's like, you motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna kill like, you. Oh, aggression is a sign of attraction, or something like this. Yeah, so it's like. Like it's not, it's not great in the gay panic sense, of course, but it is very interesting in the sort of self-assertive, no sort of like he's at the point where he's got like nothing to lose in a lot of ways. Like he's got no regard for his bodily safety because he's already playing football. So like, what could they really do to him in the locker room that would be worse than the field? Now they end up putting icy hot on his crotch and throwing him out of the door naked into like the public and stuff so he has to jump in a in a water fountain I like mean, again they're also <laughs> not they're good. also kind of proving his point right like i mean look what they do is technically sexual assault but uh, yes yeah. we'll, we'll look past that for a brief moment why would you be like oh you're calling me gay okay let's all grab him and rub stuff on his penis right just... doing a you know uh, what they would probably referred to as like a very gay act right like not knowing not being educated on it or anything like that right yeah just just turning to violence and and yeah that whole humility humility and 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 abuse and invasion yeah i'm glad i didn't watch this movie as a kid because i would be scared i mean what's even scarier is how i don't want to say non-violently it's portrayed but like how much worse it could have been shown you know what i'm saying like they they play it off which is the weird like it is by the end a prank and that's how it feels and i think that's like probably the most dangerous part of the sequence is like how how harmless it came across at the end with with lucas icing his balls in like the water fountain shaking his fist i'll get you i'll get you well like the water fountain sprout is like like sort of simulating him like taking a leak right like it's very it's very humiliating yeah i mean what a moment here but you're right they don't play it like scary they don't play it and ultimately i think the lesson we learn here is that he stands up for himself knowing that he's gonna face some crazy crazy punishment here uh so you know and in that respect it could have been a lot worse i guess yeah, yeah, and also I'm not saying what what I'm about to say is right by any means, but he's probably starting to feel a sense of acceptance like he's being hazed. That's what brotherhoods do at the time, right? Like it's a football, it's pretty much it's pretty much a frat, you know? Like it's a fraternity and like this is what happens and like, you know, you take each other's shit and then you get like a prank or something like this happens to you and you know, again, not saying it's right or anything, but I'm just saying like it's part of the, that culture that Lucas is trying to invade, and then he had to have expected something to happen. So uh, I'm not saying this is on him by any means or anything, but you know, it's just perpetuated by the culture that he's part of. For sure. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Who knew we're we're writing papers on Lucas tonight? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk about the football though. 
the coach ends up kicking him off the team, essentially not kicking him off, but because of a lot of things that happened here. And then the guidance counselor saying, Oh, you started a fist fight in the locker room or whatever. He's kind of dejected. Doesn't go to, you know, the football game, but then gets some of those muscles shows up at the big football game. You don't think he's going to play, but he's able to like, you know, Lucas, he's a smart guy. He's got a good mouth. You know, he's able to convince the coach, like, what do you got to lose? Put me in the game. And he puts him in the game. And this is some of the weirdest football I have ever seen. First of all, (laughs) referees, if a player loses their helmet, stop the game. Oh, my God. Talk about concussions. Jesus Christ, you could have killed the guy. He's playing full plays without a helmet. That's exactly what almost happens. That plays out. Like, those refs should probably face, you know, legal stuff for, (laughs) for their part in this entire fiasco. Yeah, this is all, like, crazy to me because it feels like the last big game but it's the first game of the season everyone's losing their goddamn mind like it's the end of the world you know like I was like the coach is like what's wrong with you guys like I can't believe you're blowing it like you know how could you do this to me it's like coach like they're just getting their legs under them this is game one you know they're shaking out the the dust and whatever like they're just getting it together you know go easy on them you're gonna fucking drop dead on the side of the field or something and as far as like putting Lucas in I could you know I, I, I don't know. This is this is still a movie, so like I give it to him. But like keeping him in was clever writing. I felt like, especially from someone who's not very well versed in sports. Like, forget about the referee stuff. Whatever, you're right. Those guys <laughs> kick, kick kick him out of their job for good. However, like the coach does try to get him out of the game, right? The coach is like, oh no, like after that one play, he's like, that's it. Like, haha, funny. I get what you you know. You made your point. Get him out of there. He th- puts the other dude in they have no more timeouts they can't substitute the player right so he's stuck in the game i thought that was pretty cool yeah yeah i loved it i mean i thought that was really cool because i guess the most they could have done is like oh have the other players take him off the field but almost like what are you gonna do he's just not leaving and the coach has shown that he wants to win so much he's not like okay i'll just take the penalty or something like that so i can get him off the field it's funny in that respect, and it's smart. It's intelligent. Unfortunately, it leads to Lucas's demise because they throw him the ball and he coughs it up anyway. This movie, like, had these slow-motion moments at this point and, like, real 80s shit when it came to this kind of football game. I thought he was going to, like, catch the winning touchdown and be a hero. I'm so glad he didn't. It was realistic, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he screwed up and kind of no one cared, you know? In the end of the day, no one cared, but... He's concussed. He's in terrible shape. He ends up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I think the game, like, the game is out of control. Like, as soon as he gets on field, that's probably not what really happened, okay? I'm going back into, we're now in Lucas Vision. Him being thrown out of the huddle and all that kind of stuff, like, it didn't really go down like that, but that's how it felt to him is the way I'm watching the movie, okay? Because otherwise, they would definitely stop this game and call it whatever, like a technical, (laughs) and like he would be out of there for sure. If not, you know, security would come and drag him off the field. So, like, I take that, I chalk that up a little bit to sort of fantasy, a little unreliable narrator kind of thing. And, and I'm good with that because I am also ready 
for him to catch the Hail Mary final touchdown, which I don't even think it was going to be. Like, I think they no, were they so were losing, far yeah. behind. <laughs> there was no way they were going to win anyway, right? Uh, so, like, it's pretty well directed in that sense in that the film has tricked me into thinking this is the last game of the season and that he's going to catch the winning goal and they're going to go on to, like, the championships. But none of that is happening. But it, it kind of feels that way to Lucas, I bet, you know? And so I like that I'm sort of played in that manner um and i also love the sort of twist i guess where he doesn't catch the ball and it fumbles and everything and yeah he takes the he takes the hard hit for sure he takes the hardest hit possible gets the concuss goes to the hospital this is sort of when we find the truth about his parents you know whom um i was like wouldn't be surprised if maybe Lucas chopped up his parents and they're under the floorboards or something like that. Like there was a, a thread at one point going through my mind. I was like, thank God it's not that movie. No, he's just like, he's, he's, uh, he lives with his dad. They're extremely poor. You know, he lives on the, he lives in a trailer park in like a junkyard. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm glad that it kind of doesn't shy away from, getting more real like that in that sense i mean again it's just that lifetime territory for sure but it's working in this case yeah and it, and it works kind of like i don't know it works well like you mentioned i i like how we learned that secret like winona's character knew all along where he lived and she still didn't care she still liked him she liked him as the person he was yeah i might yeah. nominate her for an award later hint hint um <laughs> Everyone comes to terms with what their, I guess, role in society is. Uh, Maggie and Cappy, they're, they're a couple and it's cool. And Lucas, I love how he asks when Maggie visits him in the hospital, did we win the game? And she's like, no, you know? <laughs> there's, there's moments where the movie feels so 80s and corny. And there's moments where this movie feels different than the other things. They didn't win the yeah. big game, you know? And, and that's understood and that's totally okay. But we do get a pretty heartwarming, beautiful, and lovely 80s ending when he, oh. re- <sighs> when he returns to school oh. <laughs> and he gets to his locker. Oh, man. And he finds the football team has accepted him because they got, he got his own varsity jacket. Doesn't have his Dude. last name, but that's oh. his first name, which is weird. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they know his last name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's so funny because of like everything we've been sort of pointing out about this movie that we love because of how it's sort of set apart from the cliched 80s teen movies by actually going in a more sort of grounded direction. And then we get, is this, is this where it all began? Is this the first one? Is this the start? Is this what we're witnessing here? The beginning of the slow clap? The slow clap. 
The freeze frame ending. Oh my god. The song that's playing in the background. Wow. Cinema magic and the, is what the, came to my mind. Bruno, <laughs> you know, like the biggest the... bully, starts the slow clap. They've accepted Lucas. What a great play. Like I love how they start that scene when Bruno and Spike are like looking out. And, and it's like, wait a minute. Is Bruno waiting for him? Why is he waiting for him? And he's like, there he is. And they're like, let's get him. And it's like, oh, guys, come on. What are you going to do to him <laughs> now? And then they're all like sort of hawking over him, looking at him, opening his locker. And you just hope that it like those trick spring snakes don't jump out at him or <laughs> pie or something. Oh man. And like, uh, I'd be lying if, if I didn't want to shed a single tear <laughs> and you love a freeze frame ending. So we got it. Here. I, I mean, I think that's how every movie should probably end is with a freeze frame. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciated it for sure. And that's Lucas. And again, Lucas, the, the biggest feeling I had while watching it was what I said. Oh, <laughs> go Lucas or you know what I mean stuff like that like yeah hey yeah. Lucas I, I was rooting for Lucas <laughs> like it reminded me too that like he he is sort of seen I guess as you know you you see Lucas and you can stereotype him but you get to know him and you can't anymore right like that's what I love about about the character I guess or like that's what it teaches you is like you know again don't judge you know it's that t- typical don't judge a book by its cover but it goes into sort of depth a little more why I mean sure uh, it throws the word superficial around too fucking much but that's the thesis I guess of the film okay and it's talking to children so it's just trying to remind you and that is kind of a big word so uh, you know for the age that the, the demographic and everything but I think this movie isn't pandering to kids you know and I think that is like its greatest strength and if it makes it less sort of fun and you know there aren't any big musical dance numbers spontaneously in the street or anything so be it you know I'm I'm up for the I'm up for that trade-off yeah you know uh, like I said I left this movie feeling Really, really good. <laughs> I don't know why. But <laughs> I, I because you know did. why? Because because the status quo has been sort of reestablished. Okay, right? Like we we've seen change in in the sort of school society. That you know, Lucas didn't just kind of do the Ronald thing, where like he is now accepted by the cool kids. He is now accepted by everybody. You know, he's an equal on every level now, which I think is amazing because he's still got like two years to go, right? So like by the time he's a senior, he's going to rule that school like no one ever did or anything. Like that's <laughs> that's what I like to think about yeah. after, I t- after I turn it off. And he's smart as hell. And this is a guy who's going to probably like found AOL or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, this is totally like a Romeo and Michelle high school reunion thing where like he came back and he's like, oh yeah, like I invented the uh, post-its or whatever. But he <laughs> really did (laughs) so one more fact i wanted to say before we get into our awards is uh in that last football game they're playing the rockford rockets which again i love don't you hate in these high school movies when it's like a uh an unknown rival you don't really get a sense of who they are or what their name is yeah we don't know the players on the team but the rockford rockets and you see their cheerleaders a lot and the director kind of uh does a lot of shots of the cheerleaders crotches and things. I'm not saying it's great, but if anyone was like, wow, why is he shooting high school cheerleaders like that? He wasn't. Those were actually the Chicago Bears cheerleaders that he hired. Oh, uh, wow. Which is crazy, right? Like- <laughs> the Bears. <laughs> Dicka. <laughs> 
Oh, this was probably around the time of like the Super Bowl show. Yeah, right? they won yeah. in '85. It came out in '86. So hey, everybody. That's what's a... the trouble? <laughs> I'm Fred. I'm William. I'm the refrigerator Perry for the Super Bowl Shuffle. I don't. Beyond the Bears, shuffling crew, shuffling on down, doing it for you. We're so bad, we know we're good. Blowing your mind like we knew we would. You know we're just strutting for fun, strutting our stuff for everyone. We're not here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Super Bowl Shuffle. Classic, <laughs> classic sports, classic sports song. The sports song, I'll say. <laughs> there was a Mets rap too, wasn't there? For like the '86 Mets or something? I don't know. There might have been a song. Yeah, I think Joey's boss wrote one of them. There was a couple. Oh wow, awesome! I think he—I forgot which one. Joey, if you're listening, which I know you are, let me know. I think he wrote uh, <laughs> "Let's Go Mets Go," which is one of them. That's the one. Let's go Mets! Oh my god! Yeah, that's god. the one with that Joe Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I feel like you're a Joe Piscopo guy, Jersey guy, right? Oh, yeah. He did that one movie with Treat Williams where uh, they're like dead cops or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hold on. Dead Heat. Yeah, dead obviously. Heat. So, yeah. Dead Heat's great, man. And the, by heat, it's because they're the heat. They're the, they're cops. So yes. they're dead cops. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I give that five stars. Dead Heat. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Yeah, Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Oh, yeah, that Vincent Price shows up at one point. Darren McGavin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we got Classic. We got to ask Larson if he owns that VHS. Oh, most likely. Yeah, I know that uh, this is a Wolf Southern um, pick as well. He oh, really? Austin, Austin has a new show, apparently, that I want to check out. Yes. Oh, Cats and Brats, right? Yeah. Which, <laughs> Great Austin, title. Austin, Wolf Southern, just side note. What a what a mensch, you know? Like what? A, like, I don't oh, know total! Just I love that. Yeah. that that guy. I love him. Like just hundred percent, great guy. And I've I've said it to him, so this is not like you know blowing smoke up his ass. I've said it on the air. I, I just love that he can love something, and he doesn't give a fuck what other people think. You know, that's not an easy thing to do on a podcast. You and I have both probably changed our opinion mid podcast thing because it just makes. I don't know. You know, you just naturally, you're in a conversation. You start to yeah. see things the other way. Like You get influenced. Right. Yeah. He stands very strong. <laughs> yep. He's like, fuck you. I like rats. You know what I mean? And I love it. I love it. You know, we'll, we'll get Austin on more. You know, He's expressed interest in being on a Corey film. So if you're a Corey fan and oh, you like yeah, Austin Wolf Southern, we're going to get him on. <laughs> I, I, I know. Um, yeah. I'd love to get him back. on. Th- I know we're getting off track here and everything, but I just, you know. I listened to he was on my Poison Ivy three episode of Third Times a Charm and I've been wanting to have him back on for a long time so hopefully I get him back before the end of the year. I know he likes Planet of the Apes. I know there's a third one of those. There's actually two, so who knows? We'll see what happens. Ooh, can't wait. Two part threes again. Oh, that doesn't make things better though. <laughs> <laughs> We're on how many Spider Man threes this year? Oh my God. Oy vey. <laughs> 
Let's do our awards, though. Most likely to succeed. Who won the movie here? I think it's pretty... I don't know. I don't know, actually. Who won the movie? Who won the movie? I mean, Jeremy Piven won, but, like, <laughs> he doesn't get the award. <laughs> no, it's um, it's a toss-up. I uh, I said how good I think Corey Haim was in this movie, but then I've... Yeah, I think I want to save Winona for another award, so I think I'm going to give it to Corey. I think he actually won this, you know? Like, I was... A, this is a really strong performance... From a, from like a newcomer. And look, Mike, we already said it. This guy's gonna do something great, Lucas. He is truly most likely mm-hmm. to succeed. Like it's not oh, even the a character. In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but oh, absolutely, totally. Yeah. Wooderson Award. Is there a character here who you would have liked to seen more of? That, that's where Rena comes in. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. So obvious here. Like oh I God. could even I, I could even write you, you know, an extra twenty minutes tonight, you know, and inserting her into this movie easily by easily. Yeah. We should plug a uh show that's no longer on well, it's still on the Cage Club podcast network, but Winona Forever. You know, they, they must that's have right. started with Lucas if this was her first film. Yeah, yeah, definitely check out that episode. And if she has another movie they'll cover that as well, I'm sure. But yeah. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? <clears throat> Hmm. Who? I have one. If you don't have one, yeah, you go. You go first. This guidance counselor shows up like two thirds into the movie for, for <laughs> oh advice, gosh. and he's like a major character <laughs> briefly. And it's like, why? We don't need that. We already know what's happening. Lucas, also, what are you doing? what is this horseshit about him going? So he says to Lucas, "Well, if you want to play football, your parents are going to have to come in and sign a release form or whatever." It's like you fucking know that he's yeah, like basically yeah. homeless like he's a latchkey kid that his dad's a drunk loser and his mom took off like come on guidance counselor guidance him that's and your also job, isn't dude. yeah and isn't the isn't the right answer to be to bring the coach in and be like look you have to let this kid play you know and you have to make it clear to everybody his limitations and stuff like this is so crazy how much like just the times have changed i guess it's weird to say that but like for the better don't get me wrong. It's just wild that this scene's in the movie. And it's only in the movie because there's no other parental figures in the entire fucking movie. Okay? Yeah. The coach is not trying to be anyone's parents. If anything, he's the, he's a he's a lousy uncle to these kids. And we see Maggie's mom for like two seconds. And it's like, you know we could do more than one take, right? Like, we know, you know you could just say cut. Like, let's try that again, right? That, but she's so like, <laughs> oh, look, here she is. Like, stuff like that, like. She's like you. And yeah. I, I thought it was a cameo, maybe. Dude, it's totally like, oh, hello, you are Lucas. <laughs> I have heard of you. I have heard of you. <laughs> it's like, what is happening all of a sudden? Is her mom a Stepford wife? Like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not great. Not great. <laughs> oh, yes. I will go and get Maggie. It's like, oh. Here she what? is. Yeah. <laughs> here she is. Yeah. It's like, oh, here she is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Camera Fry Award. A lot of nominees here, I think. Anyone look too old to be a high schooler? I mean, the Pivs, you know? Piven. I mean, even oh, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. I mean, oh. Charlie Sheen has this soft sort of... He's got, like, soft features still, and he's got this hair that makes him, you know, that hides his age a little bit. Piven isn't even trying. Piven is, like, on college break to film this movie. I would even say, like, the whole football team. Like, some of those people on the football team are mm. men. Possibly. I remember there were some big dudes in my high school, you know, like definitely some big dudes where I was like, that's a, you know, is he left back or something? 
but Piven has like, I think you he's know, like he's, 20 at this point yeah and, and these are you know this is he was always sort of like balding and <laughs> that didn't help necessarily you know it's just a fact you know it just makes you look older when you're younger so I would have to say Piv even though I want I want more of him too like that's the weird thing <laughs> it's so because I was not expecting him that's the other right like it's like I can't believe they went with him but they did and they committed and like they're they're doing it like, what is with that scene where he takes two oranges, puts one under each biceps, and flexes them to squeeze orange juice? Like, are they... Ha- God. So weird. So weird. All right, let's 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 do it, Mike. Let's let's give a report card grade to the, the second Corey movie we're covering. Oh, boy. Rotten Tomatoes gives a score 71% by critics, 70% by audience. So critics and audience oh, in lockstep. Big. We had a 0% by critics last time, so this is a big change. <laughs> Now, did we ever find out if it's just because it was never reviewed or because no critic ever bothered to watch that movie? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't too many critics, but like, there were a fair amount of critics. Okay. <laughs> 3.4 on Letterboxd, which is a pretty decent score for Letterboxd for wow. a movie like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I gave, it a three, I gave it three and a half on Letterboxd. Okay. So right right up there, right up there, right? But of course, High School Slumber Party is different. High School Slumber Party is not Letterbox High School Slumber Party is not Rotten Tomatoes. We do things differently. We have that old Manila report card. Mike, I <laughs> hand it to you. Give you the red pen. Yep. What do got you grade it. an A to F scale, Lucas? All right. I got the pen. I got the cap in my mouth. <laughs> and I am writing a B plus. Wow. Yeah, B plus. So we yeah. are we are in lockstep here. I thought it was going to be like higher than your score here. I fully intended when I put the movie on. I'm like, this is probably going to be a C plus movie, B minus if I like it. But you know what? B plus. I feel good. I feel good after watching Lucas. Yeah, like this movie surprised me for sure. Uh, it's a movie I thought I was going to be able to sort of tell what's going to happen. You know, I thought it was going to just kind of go through certain motions and hit certain beats. And at those beats, it, it kind of zit, it, it took a left instead of the, the average right, you know? It's uh, kind of played on your expectations, I guess. But at the time, it wouldn't have been doing that because there wasn't really this thing there is now, 30 years mm. later, of, like, all these tropes, right? Because there hadn't been that many of these types of movies. I mean, it's been going on since, you know, Blackboard Jungle, like, the 50s and stuff. And, like, all throughout time, there's been delinquent juvenile delinquent movies and high school films and stuff but i'm just saying like i feel like they went through phases like definitely there were you know the beach blanket bingo phase of teen movies and stuff where those have their own set of tropes and things and stuff but it just doesn't feel like they're subverting expectations at the time but now that's what it feels it feels like then is just smart and clever and more realistic than trying to be this fantasy which you would expect it to be from you know, sort of the back of the box, right? It's like this, you know, loser wants to be popular. But, like, there's so much more going on than just that. So I was I was genuinely surprised that there was a lot more substance uh, in this movie than I was expecting. When you read most lists of top 100 high school films, or even top 50 high school films, Lucas is on there. Wow, okay. It's interesting, because at the time, I think it made two, like, I think it was $6 million budget, made $8 million dollars. Obviously, you said it was on TV a lot, you know, VHS, whatever. I think this movie is one of those movies that aged v- not incredibly well in terms of, like, it's progressive or anything like that. But 
it aged well in a sense that because, like you said, we had those tropes, we have those tropes now, it stands against them. And, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Good for Lucas for standing out and a lot of people liking it. And again, a movie that I would argue is maybe it's rated properly with the people who are putting on those top lists, but it's definitely not the movies that people talk about. And like, if you meet someone at a bar and you're just talking, you're like, what's your favorite high school movie? Rarely does anyone say Lucas, but I think of those who watched it really, really appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's got its weird stuff in there, too, yes. which I like, you know, like the bugs and the locust stuff, that whole tangent and, and all that kind of thing going on, like spontaneously becomes a football movie at one point. But but that's all good. Like, I feel like that all works to its advantage because of sort of how out of left field it feels. It makes it feel more spontaneous. And that's sort of what being natural seems more to be right especially even in movies you know i feel like if you can if you can pull off something feeling spontaneous and as as opposed to you know literally scripted right because that's what you're doing you're writing the script then you've succeeded and Mm -hmm. i think this movie does that i think it it does that really well okay mike you and i are in the magical magical block this is my favorite and least favorite place (laughs) on earth okay i just have to say right now this is like a some days this is like purgatory (laughs) well we're in this blockbuster and has every movie that has ever existed up until this point today we know for our slumber party we're renting lucas what two other movies should we rent for our lucas lucas (sighs) three film slumber party all right this is tough this is so i've got I've got six tabs open right now. Um, hey, if you want to do if you want to do two, I'll allow it. You you have enough seniority, like two triple features. Two triple features? Wait. I'll ju- I could um, I'll do a I'll do a triple feature. Okay, is okay. that fair? Is that fair? So, so uh, <laughs> uh, you're gonna suggest two more movies or three more movies? Th- three, right? How does it work? Well, Lucas is part of the feature. That's why. I oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. So we need mm. five more movies. We need you need four if you want to do <laughs> okay. We I'll need... keep it down to four. No, we'll keep well, it to four. Yeah, they need to be in groups of three. So, yeah, you need four, okay. four picks, theoretically, if you want two different groupings. So, But but the groupings have to make sense. That's the only way I allow me. Like, I know. Like, I know. So Austin Wolf I don't Southern think they're going to. Like, this is like, oh, this is a wild and crazy one. You know what I mean? So, well, try your best. <laughs> try your best. <laughs> okay, I think I could do this. I think I could do this. Okay. So we'll go with the we'll go with the I'll call them the normal and the sort of wild or the normal and the crazy. Oh, okay? I got a better idea just off the top of my head. Yeah. One of them since these this is the two Corys, you know, little series ooh, here. Ooh, ooh, One's got to yeah. be name one Haim. the Cory Haim. Uh, and one the Feldman. <laughs> and one the Feldman. Yes. So what's your what's okay. your Haim? What's your Feldman? Okay. So here's the Haim triple feature. So we got Rudy first. Yes, I thought of that as well. Good call. Got to be Rudy. Um, well, did I ever tell you about the time that Rudy came to my middle school? Not Sean Aston. Oh, actual Rudy? Actual Rudy. Rudy Rutiger? Yes. Uh, Rutiger? <laughs> wow. Why? <laughs> he was a motivational speaker. It was okay. It was good. Oh, but like, he's I, like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. I took a little offense to him, though, because he was talking about go for your dreams you know blah 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 i always believed i would do it no one believed in me and i became a football player for notre dame and then he looks at me and i was like a pimply kid with glasses or i don't know if i had glasses at the time oh no and he's like 
or it doesn't have to be football. It could be chess. And he looks at right at Oh, no. Like, in my head, like, I wasn't saying this. I probably wasn't cursing at that time. But I had, like, the feeling, fuck you, Rudy. Don't assume <laughs> what I do. You know what I mean? Fuck you, Rudy. <laughs> so I do have a little chip on my shoulder against Rudy. But regardless, yes, Rudy. Oh, I pick. love it. Good pick. That's fantastic. Uh, fantastic. I love that. Uh, okay, so my other pick is, is um, I'm going to go with Summer Rental, the Carrie Green movie. We mentioned it earlier. Really great one. And, you know... I'm surprised, like, when I mention it, like, how few people sort of, like, not that they haven't seen it, but, like, that they don't love it. Like, the way I just thought everyone just loved this movie. I mean, how can't you relate to going away to the beach for summer vacation or and, like, just everything going? I mean, we don't all enter regattas to save our house, granted, but, I mean, everything else, just so fun. John Candy, Rip Torn, yeah, love that one. So that's that's the Corey Haim Triple feature, those two and uh, Lucas. So what's the Feldman? Okay, so the Corey Feldman one's a, a little wilder, of course. And this movie I know... Uh, well, okay, I'll mention this movie first. So uh, I alluded to this very early in the podcast uh, by bringing up Pokemon. Uh, so I'm going to go with Pokemon Detective Pinkachu, which is ah. a pretty cool movie. <laughs> yeah. I've played Pokemon maybe twice in my life. I like the design quality of of the whole thing. Like, I think that's really cool and everything. Uh, but this movie, like, kind of blew me away. I, I thought it's a really cool movie. Fun mystery, de- detective sort of adventure for kids. My nephew loved it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, and so, like I mentioned earlier, how Lucas kind of reminded me in the opening sequence of the founder or, like, the creator of Pokemon when, when yeah. that guy, when I, like heard him like sort of talk about his childhood so uh putting that there and okay brian this is a big one and i'm excited i'm doing this for like couple reasons one reason is because i want it to come up and be i don't have to be on the episode but i want it to be reviewed soon so i'm reminding you that this movie exists uh, the other reason is because, like in the other set, it stars one of the actors of this movie. It stars Charlie Sheen, uh, oh. and it is The Wraith. The Wraith, yes. Yes, yeah, so basically kid dies or is, like, bullied to death, kind of, uh, comes back as a haunted car uh, with a sort of, like, Wraith racer uh, persona. It's really cool. It's It's out of control. You know, it was probably on HBO around the same time as Lucas was a lot. And, you know, it's probably another one of those movies I got confused with that from time to time because Charlie Sheen looks exactly the same in it. But, yeah, I really think that movie is uh, – it, it kicks a lot of ass. It's super weird, and it's a lot of fun. Love it. Love it. Great picks there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait for, you know, our, our Haim and Feldman slumber parties with these films. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, thank uh, you. Thank you. Another journey. We got a lot of work to do in the next couple of weeks, I know, but I, know. I think we've started with two very interesting ones. And uh, Lucas, yeah, I mean, yeah. again, I feel good. You feel good. This is awesome. I'm, I'm feeling good. I mean, especially from where the conversation started about some of the darker behind the scene uh, sides <laughs> of this thing, uh, like where we ended up. I'm feeling fine. I'm ready to go. Uh, as of this recording, there's a new Dark Side of the Ring tonight, season three. So check that out if you're into wrestling it's about to get darker then for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess you're right Uh, i'm gonna enjoy this bliss while i can um 
I, I think it was cool how we started this. You know, we sort of started near the end, if not at the end, with Dream a Little Dream and the both of them. And now we're sort of rewinding and going back. And it, it was really interesting to see this uh, Corey Haim performance from the start, from the beginning of his uh, career here. Very good. Yeah, I love this style we're doing, just like kind of random stops in the two Corys uh, teen oeuvre. So I can't wait to whatever the next one's going to be, Mike. Anything you want to plug or say before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, so check out my show, Third Time's a Charm, the third of every month. Uh, Brian is my unofficial co-host, been on a ton of episodes over there. Um, what month are we in? May? So in May, uh, I had a cool crossover event with the guys at Too Fast, Too Forever. So we watched a bunch of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, and we yeah, uh, what, talked what, about... What is that? I was like, is this a third yeah. movie? So Lone Wolf and Cub is a six-film series, uh, Japanese samurai film about an assassin for hire. It's him and his son, um, and they basically um, are hunted across Japan as they take on bounties to survive gotcha um, gotcha yeah and they are sort of like on the demon path to hell there <laughs> it's really crazy it's a lot of cool action a lot of blood splurts spraying all over the place and everything um very sort of influential on contemporary cinema things like the mandalorian you know anytime you kind of see like an adult ushering a child somewhere and they're in danger 24 hours seven. It kind of harkens back to this mm. story in a lot of ways. So that's been fun. So like the first two movies were sort of recut and, and localized in America during the eighties as a film called Shogun Assassin, which is uh, pretty well known and popular and became popularized through like Tarantino talking about it a lot. And it's featured in Kill Bill. So we did that over on their show. And then on my show, we watched Baby Cart to Hades, which is the third movie in the series. And then on their Patreon, we watched the fourth movie in the series, which was amazing. So I think everyone got to check that out for sure. Uh, so that was like a big crossover we had this month. So you could watch, listen to the third episode of that on my show and the first and and like well the second episode which is the third movie on my show and the first and third which is well you figure it out <laughs> um, <laughs> also i am part of a show called the monsters that made us with my co-host dan cologne where we're watching all of the 31 universal horror movies and then we're going to see what happens after that. We just keep watching monster movies and talking about them. Well, out right now, the latest episode would be The Werewolf of London, which was pretty cool. It's the Universal's first foray into the Wolfman uh, genre. So you can kind of see, you know, what worked and what didn't and what they, what they keep and what they drop. That's a really weird, crazy messed up movie with a lot of wacky ideas running around in it so uh, definitely check that out what's cool about those universal movies they're only like an hour and 15 minutes or wow. so so like yeah they're it's almost like an episode of like a netflix show these days you know like the first couple universal monster movies could be a series on tv or something because they're only like an hour and 15 minutes each so that's been a lot of fun and then always i just want to keep plugging forever cage club prime the original show that kind of started it all because cage is still out there making movies he's got a lot of stuff that's supposed to come out later this year but he's already had the history of swear words on netflix uh which joey and i did an episode on and then uh willie's wonderland which came out on blu-ray last month so everyone can watch that and listen to our episode on that as well so i know that was a mouthful but a lot of stuff happening out there a lot of news is it's fair thank you mike and i'll see you on the next cory film See you in 
my dreams no <laughs> we're done with that see yeah. you in high school probably next time <laughs> <laughs> all right bye mike so wow turns out mike and i were more in lockstep on that one lucas surprising us i love it i love it definitely check it out if you didn't but i'm sure you did your homework so yeah yeah you already know you already know how cool lucas is big thank you to mike as always he'll be here on monday more on that later first some other things i want to discuss by the way if you hear a buzz in the background that is my refrigerator i'm currently hiding out in my kitchen because they're doing extensive work on the front of my building the dogs are barking at men in the windows. It's tough, but this actually is the quietest place in the apartment right now, believe it or not. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yes. Just want to remind you guys, as we are closing our junior year, keep a lookout for our yearbook special. I've talked to the yearbook committee. They're putting together the superlatives. The yearbook special is one of the highlights of High School Slumber Party's year. We pick some of our favorites, some of the best moments of junior year, or whatever year we happen to be in. It happens to be junior year, so can't wait for that. That'll be sometime in June, but the uh, the old ballot for the superlatives, that'll come out in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. That's for sure. All right, homework for next week. Monday. I already mentioned it. Mike Manzi. He is our co-host, our co-pilot, my other Corey on this Corey lap that we're doing, this Corey series that we're doing. And the movie we're talking about Monday, I can't wait to do. It's a movie that when I thought about this Corey thing, and even frankly this podcast that I really want to cover, the film is License to Drive. Meet the Andersons. Yes! They're all awaiting a big event. For your information, this is exactly what I ate when I was pregnant with all of you. But Les is excited about an even bigger event. Less than 48 hours away, the people at the Department of Motor Vehicles are going to be handing you your license. His reputation is riding on it. Do you think there's any chance we could get it Saturday night? Not a chance in hell, baby. The date of a lifetime depends on it. Mercedes Lane. But it doesn't look good. You failed. He failed? Honey, what is wrong with you? Something. Is this the end for Les Anderson? I thought that we had a date tonight. An innocent girl. Harmless drive. What could possibly go wrong? See, license whoa, to whoa, draw. Hold on, hold on. You got to show him the rest. Oh? Huh? Oh, okay. Les knew that he could regret it. This is it. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. He knew he might be sorry. Aren't you drinking rather heavily? This Mercedes has a dead battery. Okay. Okay, do your breathing. But he did it anyway. There's nothing to worry about. Like a sign. A sign from the big Mr. Goodwrench in the sky. Will Les get the car home in one piece? Will his father leave Les in one piece? You are damn lucky your mother didn't go into labor time. No, I, I am in labor! What? License to drive. Does it have a happy ending?
oh, you know, at least one of us will be singing Billy Ocean on Monday. <laughs> so remember, check us out at KCOP.me, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts. Check us out wherever you're listening right now as well. Hit us up on social media. That's always appreciated, too. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with another song off the Lucas soundtrack. How about Dire Straits? I love Dire Straits. Walk of Life. Later, dudes.